You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. I'm so excited uh, to have you with us today. Remember, these podcasts are based on 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Now listen, before we get in, tag a friend, let them know that we're live. And listen, share the podcast. The Bible says that the word grows when we share it with one another. So push that share button and share the podcast. I believe it's going to be a blessing today. Uh, you can also get the audio on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Listen, I am concluding a series today entitled False Beliefs That Rob Believers of their financial inheritance. This is our fourth lesson. This year, the theme of this year, God spoke to me uh, to focus on my renewal, and the theme of this year is godly prosperity, my renewal. I'm focusing on my renewal. When God spoke to that to me at the beginning of the year to focus on my renewal, it reminds me of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. It says, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to build, and to plant. Now, notice God is speaking to his prophet Jeremiah. And before Jeremiah can build and plant the nation, he has to root out some things. He has to pull down some things, and then he can build and plant. And that's what mind renewal is. It's a renovation. So in order to build a revelation, sometimes you have to tear out some things. You have to tear out that old way of thinking. So that's what we're doing in this series. It's not a long series, just four lessons. In lesson one, we talked, we look, we were looking at false beliefs, and we said the first one is money is the root of all evil. Now, that's a misquote of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money, and that was talking about covetousness, idolatry, and materialism. Uh, and we talked about what those words meant in lesson one. In lesson two, we looked at another false belief, wealth and success and prosperity will destroy a person. Well, I know some people that are prospering in God. They're not destroyed. So it's not wealth. It's not the prosperity. It's not the success that destroy people, but it's how we gain the wealth, how we utilize the wealth and our attitude toward wealth and success that will destroy a person. In our last session, we, we looked at the third false belief. When we get to heaven, we will have all the material things that our heart can imagine when we get to heaven. So we wanted to attack that when did we get to heaven philosophy because material things were created for the earth. And if you don't enjoy them now, you're never going to enjoy them. So in this last lesson, uh, this last episode, I want to talk about this poverty thing. I want to talk a little bit about poverty. And remember, we're rooting out, we're pulling down, and then as we engage the rest of this year, we're going to be building some things and planning some things. So listen at this false belief. I, I'm going to talk about this one in three different ways. Number one, poverty is a sign of spirituality. Poverty is a sign of spirituality. Now listen at Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And by the way, I have my iPad here, and you can send in your questions at the end of the, the lesson I'm going to answer any questions, and you can also throw your comments, and I'll share your comments as well. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 21. Listen at this. 
Looking at the man, now a man came up to Jesus, young man came up to Jesus and asked him in Mark chapter 10, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to the man, listen, obey the commandments. And the man said, well, I've done that since I was young. Now listen what he says. And uh, Jesus said to the man, looking at the man, this is Mark 10, 21, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It is those kinds of texts that throw Christians and, and this doctrine that poverty is a sign of spirituality comes out of a misinterpretation because if you read the rest of the chapter, it says that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But if you study it closely, it says it's hard for a rich man that trusts in his wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Listen what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, in the New Living Translation. It says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. In the last times, the Bible says, that some shall fall away from the true faith and they'll be following what the New Living Translation says, deceptive spirits. The authorized King James Version says seducing spirits and they will follow after teachings that come from demons. And the King James Version says doctrines of devils. Think about that. The Bible says that in the last days, the last times, there will be people who will follow deceiving or seducing spirits, and they will be following after doctrines of devils or teachings that come from demons. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but there are some teachings that are inspired by demons. Well, I know some of you may be thinking, yeah, you teach it on that prosperity. You've been inspired by the devil. Well, listen, listen at this definition of, of doctrine of demons. <clears throat> Doctrines of demons or teachings from demons are false teachings and views inspired by evil spirits and usually communicated often unintentionally by ministers. I'll, I'll give you that definition again. Doctrines or demons or teachings of devils. Listen at this. Are false teachings and views inspired by evil spirits? So there are some false teachings and some false views that are inspired by evil spirits and usually communicated unintentionally by ministers. <clears throat> now, what I'm teaching, I'm trying to renew your mind because I believe that God wants you to prosper. Well, some people think that's false doctrine. Well, let me answer this. Which would be better for me to say to you, <clears throat> God doesn't want you to have anything until you get to heaven, and uh, just try to make it until you die or God wants you to prosper in this life and God wants you to be in a position to help others and inspire and, and establish the kingdom in the earth. Now, you have to decide which is a false view of Scripture and what is a correct view of Scripture. Now, there is nothing, the false belief that we're dealing with today is that poverty is a sign of spirituality. Poverty, I want to I 
pull that down. I want to root that out of your mindset, your thinking. There is nothing spiritual or holy or virtuous about being poor. There is nothing spiritual, holy, or virtuous about being poor. Now, listen, I'm not talking about poor individuals. I'm not assessing value or taking value away from individuals because they don't have material resources. No, I'm not talking about the worth of the individual. I am talking about the condition, the condition of poverty. There is nothing spiritual. There's nothing holy. There's nothing virtuous about being poor. Now, listen, there are poverty spirits. Did you know that there are evil spirits? There are poverty spirits. There are poverty spirits assigned to the body of Christ and sent for two assignments. Number one, these poverty spirits are sent to attack the minds of Christians and hinder them from enjoying their redemptive right to prosper in this life. There are poverty spirits that have been sent to attack the minds of Christians and hinder them from enjoying their redemptive right to enjoy prosperity in this life. Now, the second thing that these poverty spirits has been sent to do, poverty spirits have been sent to hinder the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of the kingdom of God in the earth. They have been sent to hinder the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of the kingdom of God in the earth. It is a war of money. It is a war about money in some cases. Number one, these spirits don't want you to enjoy this material world that God created for you to enjoy. But these spirits also want to hinder the preaching of the gospel because it takes financial resources to preach the gospel. It takes financial resources to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. And if Christians are poor in a survival mode, living from payday to payday, they cannot give to the establishment of the kingdom in the earth. They cannot give to finance the gospel going forth in the world. It takes financial resources. Now, listen at this. So we have a poverty doctrine. And as I talk today, I want you to, to evaluate whether or not you embrace a poverty doctrine. I submit to you that there was a time in my life that I loved God. I loved him. I was serious about being a Christian, but I had embraced unknowingly, unconsciously, unintentionally, I had embraced a poverty doctrine. And as I'm talking to you today, I want you to evaluate yourself because now listen, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, in his soul, so is he. As a man thinketh on the inside, so is he on the outside. In other words, your problem is not your environment. At one time, I thought my problem was my environment. I thought I needed clothes. I needed this. I needed that. I needed my environment to change. So I was working hard to change my environment, 
but I was poor on the inside. As a man thinketh on the inside, so is he in his environment. Your environment, your consistent environment, if you're a believer, your consistent environment is a reflection of your inward world. Your consistent environment is a reflection of your inward world. Now remember, I'm talking specifically about financial prosperity. I'm not saying that you're poor as it relates to witnessing. I'm not saying that you're poor as it relates to holiness. I'm talking about as it relates to your financial and material well-being, your, ex, your consistent, ongoing environment is a reflection of your inward world. The way to change your exterior environment is to change your inward world. Uh, listen at this. Let's look at the origin of this poverty doctrine, the origin of it. During the Dark Ages, or some call the Middle Ages, and down through church history, religious men who had little understanding of the Bible began to associate poverty with holiness and material wealth with sin. Poverty with holiness and material wealth with sin. Poverty with holiness, material wealth with sin. For example, there is a, a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16, beginning at verse 19. Now, some people think it's a parable, but I don't believe it was a parable. I believe that this was a real story, and I believe that Jesus was giving us insight into the spirit world because often when Jesus told parables, he didn't call names. She said, certain man. So the Bible says in this particular story that there was a rich man who was clothed in fine linen. He fared sumptuously. He was very wealthy, this rich man. And then there was a beggar man, a poor man, who they laid at the gate of the rich man. And the Bible says he was at the gate and all he wanted was crumbs that would fall from the rich man's table. He was not just a beggar, not just poor, but he was also sick, said the dogs came and licked his sores. Now listen at this. It says that the beggar man, the poor man, died, and he went to Abraham's bosom, which is a type of paradise. We could say it's a type of heaven. The poor man went to paradise. The poor man went to heaven. And then it says the rich man, he died and he was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes. So when you look at a story like that and the rich man went to hell and the beggar man went to heaven, then it's easy to associate poverty with evil or sin and wealth. Poverty uh, with spirituality, pardon me, poverty with spirituality, holiness. He died and went to heaven. And then associate wealth with evil. The, the rich man died and he went to hell. So when you, when you have scriptures like that and you don't rightly divide them, then that's how that poverty doctrine got started. Now, these religious men, because most of what we believe were passed down, these religious men, their beliefs led them to take poverty vows. So there are uh, people, even in the world today, they take poverty vows, and these poverty vows uh, are rooted in two philosophies, asceticism and dualism. Asceticism 
and dualism. Now, I know this may sound like, like uh, some kind of Greek lesson right now, but in a moment, I'm going to break it down, and I want you to evaluate whether you've embraced some kind of poverty doctrine. Let's look at asceticism. Asceticism, that's A-S-C-E-T-I-S-M, asceticism is a way of thinking that sees money and things as evil, and that would include sex as well. The ascetic practices self-denial, depriving himself or herself of all but the essential basics of the material world. So the ascetic operates in this self-denial. The ascetic thinks that by avoiding physical pleasures and conveniences, the ascetic believes he or she is avoiding sin. If I can avoid these conveniences, these physical pleasures, then I can avoid sin. St. Francis of Assisi. Now, I was, my wife and I was coming home the other day. We had gone uh, driving and we came home and we came a different way and I passed by church. So if you attend this church, because there was a church on the highway called St. Francis of Assisi, now, I'm not talking about you, and I'm not talking about the church, but I am talking about this person who the church was named after. St. Francis of Assisi taught that money, this is a religious person, taught that money should be shunned as the devil himself. He and his disciples refused even to touch money. They refused to even touch money. They glorified poverty and saw begging for food as a virtue, even a way of finding merit with God. So they assume that if I stay away from all these material things, then I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be right, and I'm not even going to touch these things now. Dualism is another belief that the, that's connected to this poverty uh, doctrine. Dualism, and by the way, Jesus was not an ascetic and Jesus was not a dualist. Dualism sees the spiritual, invisible world as good. The spiritual, invisible world is good. The dualist, heaven, it is good. But the dualist sees the physical, visible world as evil. So the dualist says the invisible world, the spiritual world, heaven is good. So when we get to heaven, everything going to be all right. But the dualist see the visible, physical, natural world as evil. So we have to watch these things down here. We have to protect ourselves. We can't have too many of these things. Now listen at this. The dualist, uh, and, and Plato was a dualist. Plato embraced and championed the philosophy of dualism. Now the problem with dualism, this belief that the invisible spiritual world is good, and the visible natural world is evil. The problem with dualism is that there's not two gods, a God of the spiritual world and a God of the natural world. The same God created both the spiritual world and the physical world. And the same God created the spiritual world and the natural world for our enjoyment. When we go to heaven, the Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, it is going to be a blast. It is going to be great. But God also now created the natural 
material world for our enjoyment. The Bible says over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. Don't be arrogant. Don't look down on people. Don't be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your trust in it. But trust in the living God. Now watch this. This is 1 Timothy 6, 17, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He gave us this natural world for us to enjoy the natural world. Now listen at Colossians 1, verse 16, and then I'm going to give you a little test. And I see a, a comment, and I'll get to your comment and questions as soon as I finish this. Now, we're, we're dealing with this false belief that poverty is a sign of spirituality. Now listen at Colossians 1 verse 16 in the New Living Translation. It says, for through him, through Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realm and on earth. God, our Father, created everything in the heavenly realm and on the earth. He made the things we can see, and he made the things we cannot see. So that invisible spiritual world, God created that. He created heaven. But our Father God created the visible, physical, natural, material world. And the Bible says that when he created it, he looked at it. And he said, behold, it is good. Now, I wanted to give you somewhat a backdrop of, of, of this false belief that poverty is a sign of spirituality. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, this poverty doctrine that's rooted in asceticism and dualism. But here's what I think. I think that there are what I'm calling psychological vestiges of asceticism and dualism right in the midst of the body of Christ. I think that there are many Christians unintentionally, unconsciously, have embraced a poverty doctrine, but don't know it. And I call it psychological vestiges. Things that were began in the past, but they've been passed down to us. I don't know who said it. I don't know how it got started, but I remember when I was growing up, there was this thinking that we had somehow if a person was living well and had a Cadillac, because Cadillacs was big at that time, had a Cadillac, that, that something was wrong. Something was wrong. Now, I'm going to go through a list of contemporary voices, contemporary feelings, and as I go through the list, I want, I want you to evaluate yourself. Evaluate yourself. Are there any psychological vestiges of asceticism and dualism? Listen at these contemporary voices and feelings. And as I give you the list, I want you to think, have I heard someone say this? Have I said this? Do I feel this way? Do others feel this way? Let's listen to these contemporary voices. I don't want much in life. I just want to be comfortable. I don't want much in life. I just want to be comfortable. Now, I'm quoting 
Michael Moore, many, many years ago, before my mind got renewed, at work one day, I said, God, I don't want much. I'm not asking for much. I just want to be comfortable. Now, I had no idea that, that I was operating out of a poverty doctrine, but it was just in me. I, I, I felt like to say to God, I don't want much, was holy. It was, it was right. I, I just want to be comfortable. I don't want a lot of things. I don't care about a lot of things. I just want to be comfortable now. Now, listen at this second contemporary voice. We look, if I have enough to just get by, I'm satisfied. If I can just pay my bills, I'm satisfied. If I can just have enough to get by, I'm satisfied. If I can just pay my bills, I'm satisfied. Listen to this. It doesn't take much for me to be happy. Contemporary voices, contemporary feelings. It doesn't take much for me to be happy. It doesn't take, listen at the emphasis now. It doesn't take much for me, me. It doesn't take much for me to be happy. Do you ever heard anybody say that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt that way? Listen at this. All that's not necessary. All that's not necessary. All that's not necessary. Why you want that big old house? All that's not necessary. That's what they said years ago when we built the dome. You know, we built 3,000 feet dome. People say, oh, that's not necessary. I live in a large house. My wife and I live in a large house. Now people will say, you know, all oh, that's not necessary. You don't need all that space. Just you and, and your wife, Pete. That's her nickname, Pete. All that's not necessary. Have you ever said that? All that's not necessary? It may have been about things, all that teaching about uh, prosperity is not necessary. Hmm, it's not necessary. Contemporary voices, contemporary feelings, psychological vestiges of asceticism, dualism, rooted a poverty doctrine. Listen at this. God didn't promise to provide our wants. He only promised to supply our needs. God didn't promise to give us our wants. No, he didn't. He promised to give our wants. He promised to give our needs. Well, what happened to delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart? What, what are we going to do with that scripture? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your well God didn't God didn't promise us to God didn't promise us to 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 satisfy our wants. He promised to supply our needs. See, rooted in that is all God is concerned about is our needs. That's all he's concerned about is our needs being met. It's almost like the parent. Think about it. You're a parent, you got small kids. Well, to survive, they need clothes, they need water, and they need food. They need a, a, a safe environment. And think about you, think about it. All you can do is, is put them in a house, give them something to eat every day, put some clothes on their back, and really, technically, if they're in a safe environment, they could survive. They could live. But as a parent, you don't even think like that. You don't even think like that. None of us think like that. We don't think, I'm just going to give them enough to make it, as long as they stay alive. See, that's rooted, that, that kind of mentality. People think it's spiritual, but it's not spiritual. It is rooted in asceticism. It is, it is rooted in dualism. Now listen at this. 
I give, but I don't expect to get anything back. I give, but I don't expect to get anything. Have you ever said that? I give, but I don't expect to get anything back. Now, it sounds like you're being spiritual. Sound like you're being spiritual. See, that, that this poverty mindset sounds spiritual. Oh, I give, but I don't expect it. That's like a farmer saying, I plant seeds, but I don't expect no harvest. I plant corn all the time, but I don't expect no harvest of corn. I plant peas all the time, but I don't expect nothing to come back to me. No, see, it sounds spiritual. Have you ever said that? I give, but I don't expect nothing. See, that's a, that's a, that poverty mindset. Listen at this. You know that's that old prosperity gospel. That's that old prosperity gospel. Better watch it. That's that old prosperity gospel. You better watch it. You better watch them folk telling you that God wants you to be blessed. You better watch them uh, telling you that God wants you to have more than what you need. You better watch it. That's that old prosperity gospel. Wow. Poverty mindset. Any kind of luxury is outside of your comfort zone. Any kind of luxury is outside of your comfort zone. Think about it. Think about it. You can't even imagine you having a luxury. Now, you can imagine you getting a sale, and I ain't teaching against sale. You can imagine it, it not costing much. Because that's spiritual. That's real spiritual. But what if God wants you to have a luxury? What if God wants you to have something that's not on sale? Now, I'm not teaching against, I'm not teaching against getting a bargain. I'm not teaching against negotiating. I'm not teaching if you can get something good, quality, for a lower price. That's wisdom. I'm not teaching against that. What I am teaching against is you cannot have things that are not on sale. It has to be on sale. What if God wants you to have things that are luxuries that are, don't go on sale? Well, I'll just do without it then. If, it, if it's not on the, I'll just, see, 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 there, see, see. See, now some of you are going to think I'm teaching. Well, he said we, we shouldn't try to get a sale. I didn't say that. He said, well, we should just pay a lot of money for it. No, I didn't say that. I said there's nothing wrong if you can get something for quality at a cheaper price, a reduced price. There's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a bargain. There's absolutely nothing wrong with negotiating and, and getting something for a lower cost. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what if God wants to bless you with a luxury, something that does not go on sale. And if your mindset is that, well, I'll just do without it, then I am saying that you have embraced, now you may not have, it, it may not be intentional, but you have embraced a poverty mindset. What if God wanted to give you expensive jewelry? What if God wanted to give you a luxury car? What if God wants you to even give you a mansion? What if God wanted to give you more than what you have? And what if God wanted to do it in such a way where you can enjoy some of the finer things. What if he wants you to enjoy some of the finer things? Is it outside of your comfort zone? Can you handle that? Can you handle it, it being nice, first class? Can you handle that? Does that bother you? Well, you know the back of the plane Get there at the same time as the front of the plane. The back of the plane gets to the destination the same time as the front of the plane. You ever said that? You ever felt that way? 
I'm not gonna pay all that money for. I'm not gonna pay all that money for that first class nothing. I'm not. I'm all right. Back of plane, get there at the same time as front of plane. Well, I'm just saying. What if God wanted to elevate you to the point where it really doesn't matter to you from a cost standpoint whether it is first class or coach? What if you could afford it? What if God could put you in a position where you can afford it? What about that? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with, I'm not, I'm not talking about just things being expensive. I'm talking about your mindset about a luxury. Are you apologetic, embarrassed, or ashamed of things that God has blessed you with? Do you talk about it? Do you talk about what God blessed you with? Do, do you apologize? Are you ashamed of what God has blessed you with? Do you testify to it? Are you overly concerned about what people think? What if your testimony will inspire something somebody else to believe? I don't want to hear any more thing. I don't want to hear anything else about prosperity. I just don't want to hear it. You know, Pastor Mike is on that thing about prosperity. I don't want to hear anything about that prosperity. Why not? Why not, why not hear about prosperity? Think about it. Some years I go the whole year and don't talk about prosperity. What if I talk about it the whole year? What difference does it make? Why does that bother you? Why does the teaching on prosperity bother you? What if God is trying to, what if God is trying to give you something so that you can be a blessing to others? Is your first thought about a well-to-do person is, what did they do wrong? What did they do wrong? How did they get that? How did they get the house? How did they get that car? How did they get that job? What did they do? Is she sleeping around with the balls? What? See, if, you, if that's your way of thinking, then you have a poverty mindset. Do you get a sense of satisfaction at hearing about some successful person who's failed or filed for bankruptcy or whatever, or some kind of scandal? Do you get a sense of, uh, a sense of satisfaction? So, contemporary voices, contemporary feelings, that you hear yourself, that you see yourself, because until we root out that, until we pull that down, until till we replace it with what God says, God can't get any more to you. He's trying to prosper you. Years ago, God said to me, allow me to prosper you. Allow me to prosper you. Well, he was asking my permission because I had this poverty mindset. Unintentionally now, I thought I was being holy. Poverty is not a sign of spirituality. Here's another false belief. I got three I want to share with you as I close out. Three. God in his sovereignty decides people economic lot in life. God in his sovereignty decides people economic lot in life. Do you believe that? That God decides whether people are upper class, middle class, lower class. Do you believe that? That, that God's sovereign decides some people to be rich, some people to be middle class, some people to be poor. If you believe that, then that's false doctrine. Acts 10, 34, 35. Acts 10, 34 through 35. It says that God is no respect of persons. But in every nation, every race of men, he that fear God, respects him, Honor his word, the Bible says, is accepted by God. He is no respecter of persons. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 through 15 and 19, 
It says, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, good and evil. And it says, choose life, choose blessing, choose good. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate in the word day and night that you may observe to do what's in there. And then the Bible says you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. So when we look at the scriptures, we see that that is not God deciding what people's economic lot in life is. It's our level of knowledge, our level of obedience, our level of acting out on the word over a period of time through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. So it's not God deciding, well, you're going to be middle class, and you're going to be upper class, and you're going to be lower class, you're going to be rich, you're going, you're going to be better, you're not going to be rich, but you're not going to be, you're not going to be poor, and then you're going to be poor, because that's my plan. I got a purpose for you to be poor. That's not God. That's false doctrine. My last false doctrine, and then I'm going to, I got some comments, I got some questions here. My last false doctrine is there is poverty in the world because of a shortage of wealth. There's poverty in the world because there's a shortage of wealth. There's poverty in the world because there's a shortage of wealth. That's false doctrine. Listen at this as I close. There is no real shortage in the world. No shortage of anything that we need. There is no real shortage in the world. And as it relates to shortage, there is no reason why any person should be poor in the world. As it relates to shortage. Now listen at this. Economics 101. Economics 101. In the business world, the world of business, the world of profit, listen at this, is built on supply and demand. It's built on supply and demand. Excess supply drives prices down. Limited supply drives prices up. So if you are controlling the supply, then you want to release a limited supply so that the prices will go up. When there is an excess of supply, the prices go down. So if you're controlling the supply and you want the profits to be bigger, then you limit the supply so the prices can go up. So consequently, there are self-imposed control shortages. No real shortage. Even though you see people standing in lines to get a box of food, it looks like a shortage. Even when you see people trying to get vaccinated and, and, and they run out of supply, you think it's a shortage. There is no real shortage. There are self-imposed control shortages. The countries that control and regulate all determine the prices. The diamond mine owners don't want a flood of diamonds out in the world because that drives the prices down. So you keep the price of the diamonds scarce so the prices go up. Our government control, U.S. government, it controls the kind of food and the quantity of food that farmers can release into the re release for sale. They control that.
There are harvest, parts of harvest that are thrown away. There is no food shortage. There is no money shortage. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this because Sometimes if, if, if we're not tapped into the scripture, we think it's a shortage of stuff. No, it's no shortage. Listen at this as I close. More people became millionaires during the Great Depression, some have said, than any time in history. Think about it. During the Great Depression, people became millionaires. Now listen at this. The U.S. United States billionaires gained $1 trillion, $1 trillion increase in the pandemic since the pandemic started. The wealth of billionaires increased by $1 trillion during this pandemic. And everybody talking shortage, this shortage of this, don't have this, don't have that. And billionaires increase by $1 trillion. The world's 2,000 billionaires have more wealth than almost 5 billion people combined. Now listen at that. There are at least 7 billion people on planet Earth, at least 7 might be more, but the world's 2,000, 2,000 billionaires have more wealth than almost 5 billion people combined. There is, no matter what's happening in your environment, there may, you may be experiencing a shortage, okay? I'm not saying that what you're experiencing is not real. I'm not saying it's not real that you don't have the money to do this or, uh, or you laid off work. I'm not saying that's not real. I'm just saying what we call a shortage is a self-imposed control shortage. Some of the shortages are controlled by politics and politicians is no lack. God didn't create an earth and it's going to be lack and there's not enough stuff in this earth. No, it's plenty in this earth. And so what you have to do, you can't buy into the shortage thing. God is the God of abundance and I'm going to teach you that. So you can't buy into the shortage thing. All we've done in this lesson is to try to pull out some things throw down some things, eradicate some things so we can build in you God's word. Now, I got, I got three questions here and I got a comment. So I'll read the comment first. If the body of Christ have a poverty mindset, it will hinder the gospel from being taken throughout the world. If the people of God don't have finances to spread the gospel, then many will be lost. The world is not going to finance the gospel. It's not their concern. So it's imperative that the body of Christ, that we renew our minds concerning money. Now, I'm going to read that because that is a total summary of what I'm saying, and I think that is a great comment, and I want to read it again. If the body of Christ have a poverty mindset, it will hinder the gospel from being taken throughout the world. If the people of God don't have finances to spread the gospel, then many will be lost. The world is not going to finance the gospel. It's not their concern. I love that. So it's imperative that the body of Christ, that we renew our minds concerning money. Now think about it. That is a wonderful statement. Now listen at this. Now, if you think about it, if those statements are true, and I believe every last one of them true, if we don't have the money, then we can't finance the gospel. If we can't finance the gospel, then people are going to be lost. Now, just, just using your rational thinking, not spiritual thinking, just rational thinking, 
who would it benefit the most that Christians be poor? Would it benefit God because he want to get the gospel out? Or would it benefit Satan? It would benefit Satan for all Christians to be poor because they're, if they're in a survival mode, then Satan knows they can't give to establishing the kingdom. They can't give to reach the laws. And the world is not going to do it. The billionaires and the millionaires who are unsaved and don't have a God consciousness, but there are some unsaved people at least have compassion. They really do. There are unsaved people that have compassion. But think about it. The majority of unsaved people are not concerned about the lost being saved. It's not their concern. It's our concern. So we must renew our minds. I got five questions. How does a believer not look greedy when we've been taught the truth about prosperity to a person in the world? They don't know me or take the time to get to know me. All they see is me being blessed and maybe hear me expressing my gratefulness to God about said blessings. I hope this question makes sense and make a lot of sense. It's a great question. How does a believer not look greedy when we've been taught the truth about prosperity to a person in the world? Now, listen, you have to really understand that you're never, you're never going to have affirmation from people in the world. The Bible says that prosperity comes with persecution. So you may look greedy. People may talk about you. They may say you just into it for the money. You have to put on blinders like the horse, have those little blinders where they're looking forward and not get distracted by what people think. You know your heart. You know your integrity. You know your motives. You want to help people. You want to please God. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what people think in that regard because the Bible says that with prosperity, comes persecution. That's what the Lord said to me. He also said to me, you're going to be ridiculed and you're going to be scorned. He said this, the subject of money is unpopular, but you deal with the money issue. So now think about it. God is telling me up front, it's unpopular. He's telling me up front that some people's not going to like it. They're not going to understand it, but he said, deal with it. So in what he's telling me and telling us, don't get distracted by what people think about you. They're going to think what they think about you. But once you get enough money, you start helping folk, you're going to have a lot of folk glad that you have resources. That's a great question. Third question, how, well, second question, how do you handle the place where you believe, receive God's desire, to bless be blessed financially and where you currently are. Example, I believe you want me financially blessed, Lord. Now, where is it? When can I expect it to manifest? Okay. Okay. Uh, let me give you an analogy that I think will help you. I don't know whether you're into football or sports or whatever, but you'll get the analogy. There... Nick Saban is coach of Alabama. I think is the greatest coach ever. That's my opinion. I like him. I think he's great. Okay. He has a philosophy that many talk about the process. And his, to summarize the process, and I know it is deeper than what I'm going to explain it, is you, you pay attention to the now, you pay attention to developing yourself to the highest. You develop your skills. You develop your techniques. You play your role. You do your part. And you leave victory in the scoreboard to the end result. A lot of times we're thinking about 
when is it going to manifest? And I've been there. I'm in it. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Well, see, now I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not, a lot of time when you got a financial pressure on you, you feel like that. That's why I taught Sunday about it has to be a lifestyle. It's a commitment to life. It's not an event. It's not a, I'm going to give this money, pull the lever, and, and, and all my bills going to be paid. I'm going to give this one time. No, no. It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. And what you do, you do what you're supposed to do. He said, don't let the word depart out of your mouth. You do that. You talk the word. He says, meditate the word day and night. You do that. You get in the word. See, most people... They said, when is going to happen? And then I ask them, do you ever go back and listen to the podcast? Do you listen to what I'm teaching on Sundays? Are you consistent? Do you go back and listen to it on Sundays? Or did you just hear it one time and you threw with it? Are you hidden and missing? Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't get it. Well, to me, people are not working the process. They're not consistent in it. So his philosophy, Nick Saban is, don't, don't worry about the scoreboard. If everybody do their job, if everybody carry out their role, if everybody develop themselves, we will win at the end. God spoke this to me years ago, and here's what he said. Because I was thinking, when are the people going to come? When are the people going to come? When are the people going to come? It's kind of like the question, when is it going to manifest? When is it going to manifest? And I'm discouraged. When is it going to manifest? When are the people going to come? People staying away by the thousand. Here's what the Lord said. He said, do your part. Rest. Church will grow. Do your part. Rest. Church will grow. So what's my part? My part is to pray for the flock. My part is to do my best to pour my life in the leaders during that time. My part is to teach the word faithfully. My part, confess the word, speak the word, act on the word, give, do my part, do my part. So I function on my part. And then he said, rest. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Don't be all messed up about it. And he said the church will grow. What he's saying if we work the process, the end result will take it. It's kind of like farming. When is the crop going to come? When is the crop going to come? Well, do your part. Plow the ground up. Pray for good weather. Sow the seed. Take out the weeds. Doing all those things. I think if you follow me for a year, just one year, I think you'll be much further along than you are right now. So that's my answer for the most part for, for that. Do you expect the economy to change for good or bad? If so, why do you think that? I think the economy is going to change because everything is cyclical. Everything is based on cycles. You have cycles, and I think the economy is going to change, and I think it's going to change for good. Now, who was the Lord said to me? And I think he was talking about, well, all of it go together. He said things are going to get worse before they get better. Things are going to get worse. So I think that we're going to go through some things in the spring. And I think some things are going to be kind of worse initially. But I think we're going to get through it and the economy is going to come back. It always does. It always does. Now, our key is to not trust the economy, though. we got to trust God. Pastor Mike. What would you say, is it safe to say that we're people, as people can be, be the reason why we have a self-shortage when it comes to having money to pay our bills because we mismanage our money? Okay, sometimes we have a shortage. Yes, it can be a self-imposed shortage because we mismanage our, sometimes we mismanage our money. Yep, I think you're right. That, that can be true sometimes. Pastor Mike, why aren't there more teaching on self-control shortages in this world? Because the people who control the, the shortage don't want to, people to know how the game is played. Think about it. If you're controlling the oil, why would you want to broadcast, I am controlling how much oil is released so my, I can I can up my, my, my prices. I can up my revenue on it. I'm not going to tell you that. Why will I tell you that? I want you to think it's a shortage. 
So people are not going to come out. Uh, I, I, the people who control the wealth control, is the people that's controlling the shortage. So people don't want that. As the founder of a private Christian school, we have endured many hardships with trying to raise funds to forward our mission. We were even advised to take the word Christian out of our school's name to receive funding. We were also expected to join ungodly circles to get money, and we were not going to compromise our faith in Christian walk. I think that's great. I think you I think that's a good I think that's a good thing that you're not gonna compromise. I think that if you're the founder, now I'm talking from a spiritual standpoint, if you're the founder, you're gonna have to be meditating in the word. You're gonna have to meditate the word, confess over the school, give something out of the school, because that's how it works, giving and receiving, give some out of the out of school. And I believe that you can believe God for your needs to be met until there are other resources that open that you don't have to compromise. But I don't think we have to compromise to get ahead. I really don't. Great questions. I went over a little bit, but I, I don't mind going over because you asked wonderful, you asked really, really great questions. Uh, last question just came in. How do I know who to bless? Well, I taught Sunday. I taught Sunday. Was that Sunday? Uh, I taught on being led by the Spirit. I think that was, when was that? I taught on my renewal, the law of words, the law of giving and receiving, the law of obedience uh, to the Spirit. Um, yeah, I taught on the law of obedience. Listen to that teaching on the law of obedience, and you know who to bless by being led by the Spirit. Thank you. Appreciate you. Love y'all.